Hi everyone and welcome to episode 15 of Running Partners with me Paul and me Alison and so I think the focus of today's episode is going to be equipment but specifically shoes I think we're going to do two episodes on equipment aren't we one about shoes and one about everything else so today's all about running shoes there's quite a lot to say about shoes on their own so yeah so and we're pre-recording this one so it's a bit different to the others so we're we're recording it a, a week so out of it being released because I'll be in Kenya so so first of all, we'll talk about running of the week, but this will be the running you will be doing rather than running you have done, I think, won't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, getting so ahead of ourselves. we are getting ahead of ourselves. Hopefully it won't get too confusing. Yeah. Um, so on the last episode, you described the running you'd done for, for the first week of your mm-hmm. marathon training plan. So what's on the agenda for week two? Yeah, so week two, in general, I'm going to be doing, having one rest day. Okay. I'm going to be doing three easy runs. Okay. One interval session, so that'll be on my own or at track, and one long run, which will incorporate tempo. And into one of my easy runs, I'll be doing strides. Any hills? I've not got any hills planned, actually. Maybe I need to start thinking about incorporating them in. Well, you could always incorporate the hill blasts into any of the easy runs or alternate them with the strides. That would be an option. Because they perform the same sort of function of strides but have some sort of different benefits as well. Yeah, so the... Okay, so so sorry I interrupted. The specifics of it are, it's saying 16 times 200 metres, so they're quite... So that's your, like sprints, isn't it? That's so that's intervals. week two of your intervals. Yeah. Sixteen yeah, so, times two hundred meters. Yeah. So, so let's just think about how how much distance is that? Three thousand two hundred meters. Mm-hmm. So two miles mm-hmm. to two miles worth of yeah. intervals. Okay. Yeah. So it's not that that many really, is it? But that needs to be done at five k pace. And what's so. your what do you say your five k pace is? Well. From the last 5K I did, my 5K pace is slower than my 10K pace. So that's probably not your 5K pace for the purposes of this. So I probably think probably sort of 6.50, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, so I'll probably try and do that. And then the long run is 13 miles easy. But as I mentioned before, I'm going to incorporate some of the tempo paces into my long run. So three miles of that will be at half marathon pace. I'm targeting sort of, I know we were talking about three seven twenty pace, but I don't think that I'm there yet. So maybe 7.30 pace, something like that. And then, as I said, there's easy runs and strides and things like that. So that that's what I'm planning to do for week two, for the marathon okay. training. That's interesting what you say about the pace. That, I think you, that's quite a good point for people to remember is don't stress if you don't think you can do the pace in like week one or two don't don't worry about it this is like a four-month training plan and the idea is you will increase your pace won't you because the training will help you increase your mm. pace and you'll as the, you move through the plan you'll be able to do the paces that you want and the distances you want yeah I think so yeah so not to overthink it and get too worried put the effort in and yeah. the kind of results yeah. will happen mm-hmm. so what about you what are you yeah be so doing? uh so so the week this will be the last week I mean uh before I set off to Kenya so I suspect some easy runs and probably one midweek interval session and then I'll be traveling over the weekend so uh leaving home Friday evening and by the time I get to my destination uh, in Iten, 
uh, which is where the training is. It'll be Sunday afternoon, so I've got Saturday all day on the on the flight from Heathrow to Nairobi, and then a, a one night stop over at a hotel in Nairobi, um, and then fly to Eldoret the next day, which I think is about another an internal flight from Nairobi to Eldoret, about forty five minutes, and then perhaps an hour's drive from there to the training uh, base in Iten. So whether I get any running over that weekend, I don't know. I think the uh, Hotel's got a, a gym, so I might manage a bit of time on the treadmill if I'm motivated on um, Sunday morning before I have to go back to the airport. So so easy running. And then I guess when I'm actually in, in Kenya, I'll obviously feed back in future episodes what it's like there. But I'm definitely intending to do some running. The primary focus of going, as you know, is for me to do the, the training course. But I do know that there's running planned, both connected directly to the course and also um out running with with people who are there both um athletes from kenya but i think people travel from around the world to use it as a as a training base so the altitude's really high something like i think it's two and a half thousand meters above sea level so once i've kind of adapted to that and gasping for breath i'll see if i can <laughs> I can manage a bit of a bit of running so we'll see how that goes cool shall we talk about running shoes then now let's <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's the main focus of today's episode. So where, where do you want to start with this then? Yeah, well, I guess the first thing that you do when you when you start running is you get like a long run shoe, don't you? Something that you can use every day and you can just use it for, you know, whatever you want if you, you're running easy paces and that sort of thing. So I guess when I started running, I didn't know anything about what shoes to buy, but lots of my shoes have been from sportshoes.com, not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> not but, yet anyway we're <laughs> open to offers no but also there's lots of running shops that you can go into aren't there and we have been to running shops and gone on the treadmill and kind of been assessed and bought running running shoes from there and I suppose if you really are you don't really know what you you want then that's probably a good place to start because then once you've found something that's suitable for you, you can buy variations on that shoe that you know fits you properly. So there's quite a different, there's quite a range, isn't there? So there's like easy running shoes there's that don't have anything really fancy about them. Yeah, definitely. I think they're good for anyone, aren't they? So whether you're someone who goes running five, six times a week or once a week or someone who's never run and wants to get into it versus someone who runs all the time, having a pair of shoes that are like comfortable, hard wearing, have got a bit of cushioning and a bit of grip and something that's not going to wear out once you've worn them like 10 times having a pair of shoes that you know that you like and that fit well it's like great isn't it just put you can put them on any sort of run whether it's for 10 minutes or you know two hours you're going to be you're going to feel like your feet feel comfy and you're sort of just enjoying it but it's not always that's not always easy to find that pair is it that sometimes takes a bit of trial and error of buying ones that you, you know feel great when you put them on but then you take them out for the first run, they feel tight or yeah. they feel great for three runs and a piece falls off after <laughs> after a run and, and this sort of stuff. So it can take time to find that. And I think the treadmill thing like you described, I think partly, you know, that's they try and analyse your gait and think about which shoes will be useful. But it does give you a chance to actually like try some shoes on and running yeah. them. Whereas if you're buying them like online, you'd obviously you've not tried them on. You're hoping no. that they fit. And you kind of following the size guide and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And you don't know if they're comfortable. No, and I think there is one shop in a running shop in Sheffield where they actually let you run around the block 
in the oh. shoes. Yeah, I think that's Accelerate, isn't it? I've, I've seen, I've been in there and I've seen people going off outside. Do you have to leave your car keys or your wallet? Oh, maybe, maybe. Make sure I you don't, don't run know. away. I don't know, but... Um, no, I'm sure they're yeah. very trusting. Yeah, I don't know if that's changed now, but I have seen that happen. But there might be other shops that allow you to do that or, you know, maybe they have trial pairs and things. And sometimes shoe companies come to club runs and things or track sessions and bring a range of running shoes or I think there's a wood run in in Sheffield where sports shoe companies come and they've got a range of shoes that you can actually go and run in so you know obviously lots of people have mm. worn them before but you know it's a good way of kind of work, <laughs> working spray them after each way. yeah like in in a bowling alley yeah, oh yeah, yeah yeah I remember we've been to a Keswick mountain festivals in mm. the Lake District and I remember Adidas had a stall and you could you could wear shoes for like a race and then right, and yeah. then give them back. It's a risky business, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, clearly all this is obviously where shoe companies are doing this. It, it's not a completely selfless act, is it? Well, no. they're hoping is that a proportion of people will like the shoe and then will will want to buy them. But it is a good way of testing some stuff out. Um, if you're not sure, kind of what what fits or what might be comfortable. And I do, I have noticed. Some of the kind of shoe companies, bigger shoe companies in particular, some of the names people be familiar with, if you buy from them direct, if you buy shoes that don't fit, aren't comfortable, mm. even after you've tested them out, the returns process is like, it's, it's pretty good, you yeah, know, to yeah. get a pair that you do want. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's, um, you know, you've sent stuff back, haven't you, that isn't right and there's yeah. been no, no, no quibbles. quibbles. Yeah, if no. you get them direct from the yeah. the manufacturer as well, yeah. And I think, you know, I mentioned sports shoes that obviously sell all, the whole range and they're pretty good at returns as well. Yeah. Uh, especially if you, you know, you've got a history of buying shoes, then, you know. and There's another not... big online sports retailer also has stores that were more difficult to return to. I won't recommend that one, but that was my own personal experience. Tend to give you a big mug if you buy anything online. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll let people work that yeah, out for well, themselves. That, yeah, you know, customer services. So, you know, you know of... I was searching for the bargain, mm. So, but sometimes saving five or ten quid is not worth no, it with no. the, for the benefit of knowing that if you bought a pair of shoes that you wear for once or twice and you realise they're kind of causing you pain, the ability to return them and get something you do you, that is, yeah. doesn't cause you pain does fit. Like the ease of that, mm. that might be worth that extra like five quid yeah. over yeah. this other well-known online sports retailer. <laughs> yeah, I think also sort of go hand in hand with that a bit. And I don't know whether this is just my bad luck, but I've found that if I buy shoes that are, are cheap, you know, that have like reduced down, so like the, quite like significantly. Most cheapest you can get, really. Well, they're sort of versions of shoes that are usually quite expensive, but they've been reduced and they're a certain colour or, you know, there's something a t- tiny bit different. You think, oh, well, it's the same shoe. that, And it's like, oh, it's only... 60 pounds yeah. and it you know usually it's like 140 I've, I've done that a couple of times got the shoe and it's not the same and there's some you know it's not as soft or mm, you know maybe changed. it's just a slight sort of different version of that shoe that obviously hasn't sold very well so it's been reduced so there's it's kind of you need to like bit spend a bit of time looking yeah uh, whether things are really a bargain or not I guess but you can you? if your size like 6 or size 13 and you don't mind either wearing bright orange 
your sort of bright yellow shoes, you can often find find yeah. a bargain because they're the yeah. ones that seem to be always available. So uh, lots of different varieties out there, but definitely try and get a kind of good everyday mm-hmm. running shoe. Might yeah. bit of bit of trial and error. We've both had that, haven't we? And yeah. and usually, but then when you do find something that lasts you a year or two, you do lots of running and feels comfortable. Your tendency is to like for me is keep going back yeah. to that because you kind of trust what you know and uh, mm-hmm. so you always want a pair of two of those in your in your yeah. locker the only issue with that is that what i've found is a few years ago i started using adidas ultra boost trainers and they were really good they were really soft and really you know good for long runs and everyday running and you know no problems whatsoever but then they changed them and I don't know what exactly it was, but they felt heavier. Something changed, and so I had to change from them. So at the moment, I'm using some New Balance, I think they're 1080, version 12. And they've been really good. I've really enjoyed using them. I've got quite wide feet, so I have problems if, if shoes are too narrow and some brands are too narrow. But they've been really good both of those ones that I mentioned but then I know that the um, New Balance 1080 version 13 has not got great reviews so I'm going to try and get another another one of the version 12s before they go out of stock and I think they are reduced at the moment so I'm going to look at those but I've also had Nike Pegasus and they were pretty good and I know people swear by those as like an everyday shoe but I had that issue with a pair of them. I had a, a nice pair that I paid sort of quite a lot for and then I found a pair that were like quite a lot reduced and they were different so it's just kind of finding something that's good but and then not you know making sure that you buy in the version that is is comfortable for you so you've got wide feet as well haven't you are there any brands that you yeah like for wide feet yeah so new balance are good for wide feet and they mm-hmm. do specifically like what they tend to have width. a lot more range in width Widths, that you can yeah. buy two e or for wide feet so i found those useful um and t- shoes that tend to have an upper that's stretchier like more of a kind mm-hmm. of less firm so more of a f- like a fabric or a woven mm-hmm. type of upper it tends to stretch more so if you've got wide feet um or i read the reviews and look for the word the, the words wide, wide toe <laughs> yeah. box yeah um, that sort of thing so then i'm just going to say a little bit about like cushion and support shoes mm-hmm. so i think this is something that i wonder if it's tend to have gone away a little bit it used to be mm. kind of a big thing the type of shoe you were getting but all kind of running shoes kind of basically look pretty much the same don't they they mm. tend to have a, a a kind of couple of centimeters or more on the bottom don't they have a, a kind of foam they'll, yeah. have, they'll have some sort of rubber on the bottom for grip and and then there's some sort of upper that will be firm or mesh or something like that so they they all offer like good cushioning really mm-hmm. that seems to be common and that range you know whether you're at the kind of budget end or to the top end that basic format's the same some shoes are specifically aimed at having more stability around the ankle so they've got they're tighter in terms of your fit to the ankle and I think that's for people who's when they run their foot tends to roll in or out a little bit with the yeah. pronation um, yeah I was gonna say it's that word pronation isn't it that used to be kind of around quite a lot but I've not 
heard Not people so talk, no. talking about it much, but it's just how if your foot rolls it is. in or out. And an easy way to tell this is if you've got an older pair of shoes, just look on the bottom and you'll see where the wear is. So if the wear on the bottom is pretty consistent, you know, there's no obvious real areas of wear and tear, mm-hmm. you're probably running with a kind of neutral position. If you've got wear specifically on the outside or the inside, that means you're going to be putting pressure either on the inside or the outside. And therefore, like a, a shoe that's aimed at ankle support might be more beneficial. I think that's the basic logic. You mentioned sports shoes earlier. If you do go on their, their website, they've got um, they've got sort of an advice section, which another way of doing it is like the wet footprint test. So mm. if you get a wet you've got a wet foot and you make an imprint on a piece of paper or a tile floor or something like that it will kind of show where the pressure of your foot is and from that they can help calculate what sort of shoe will be useful for you and again you go through the kind of shoe finding test and it'll bring Mm. up the shoes on their website that they think are appropriate for you as a as a runner so I think like these kind of things can be helpful you know it might help narrow down because the other thing is when you're looking for shoes it's like you know even if you narrow down the sort of price bracket, the range is massive, isn't it? There's yeah. so many brands, so many choices. Mm-hmm. It can be hard to know like where to start, can't it? So yeah. at least thinking about, do I want a support shoe? Uh, do I need what sort of cushioning? Do I want what sort of price do I want to spend? Are there any particular brands that I favour over others? That sort of stuff can help you narrow it down a bit. Yeah, so that's kind of the everyday shoe, isn't it? Then I think kind of there's been trends in shoes, hasn't there, over the years? Like I mentioned, I think, from previous episodes that I'd read Born to Run, and I think when that book came out, there was quite a lot of interest in like barefoot running and then I think that sparked off this thing about like the drop, so the heel-to-toe drop. You know, historically, running shoes have kind of been raised up at the back yeah. And they go, you know, there's less sort of soul, I guess, to, at the front of it. And I think that they've always been that way. And obviously in the 70s, like, people ran in plimsolls, didn't they? They were, were pretty much the same, but, you know, probably tiny bit more raised up at the heel. And I think, like, eight millimetres is sort of the, the, the highest, isn't it, heel-to-toe difference, isn't it? And that's called, like, the drop. Yeah, and that's what you see on if you're looking for shoes, it or you know yeah. in, in a shop or on the website that it'll tell you what the drop is. Typically, yeah. There when there was a phase, like I say, that was associated with barefoot running, where you could buy ones that didn't that had zero, this, that had zero drop. Yeah, and I think I've I've had a pair of those. You've had a pair of those, and I think you can. People do running now. I mean, people running bare feet. You know, we see see people occasionally running in bare feet, but it's like. A bit tricky, isn't it, around when there's glass and dog poo and things on the floor. So people tend to wear shoes. So that's an alternative to barefoot running, I think, isn't it? Yeah. And it's supposed to be good for foot strength, isn't it? Yeah, muscle strength, foot strength. Yeah, so just... I was one of those people. So I remember I read Born to Run a few years ago on holiday and sort of whilst reading it, I was also simultaneously looking on my phone at some shoes to buy. I bought a pair... um, I think Merrill was the brand that were flat, completely flat, and and kind of got them delivered. So all excited, got home from holiday, you know, got them straight on, went out for a run. Oh, this is great, you know. I'm, I'm so in touch with, you know, you know the ground and all this sort of stuff. All inspired from reading the book. If you've not read the book, read it. It's, it's a brilliant book. But it, but like then, what I realised is like my calves were absolutely like sort of shredded the next day, and I think it's because they're 
extended because you're not you haven't got the eight millimeter drop you've not had the the barefoot shoes i got didn't have much cushioning you can get zero drop shoes that do have cushioning but right. these ones didn't and it so it was like kind of uh muscle the cars weren't used to being extended yeah. in that way so it was kind of a calf workout i think the advice is if you move to those sort of barefoot completely flat shoes to like do like you know a mile one yeah, week two miles up. and not yeah. go out and do like a 10 mile run on them straight away because yeah. you think you you know you're sort of you're, you're the new barefoot running champion of the yeah. world and you, you know but so and, and i don't actually wear them that often now i do from time to time but um um so yeah so they're an option aren't they but maybe yeah. something that takes a bit of getting used to and i think at the time and i don't know whether you know there's been there's probably not been much research on it but i think at the time there was the idea was that it was actually better for you know you stretch muscle strength yeah. things like that you're less likely to get injuries if you kind of were you know it changes your your form doesn't it your running form so you're like you because you're not you've not got a lot of cushioning you're not relying on that to cushion your yeah. your joints so Achilles, you're naturally yeah, yeah. you're kind of cushioning yeah. your own body as you're running so it, it's it you know and it sounded plausible to me yeah, in the book Born to Run, they go yeah. into the evidence, don't yeah. they, that and plot a kind of increase and of production and development and enhancement of running shoes from a simple trainer to all the sorts of shoes you can get now, alongside a kind of increase in like injury prevalence of runners. Now, mm. you know whether that's a cause and effect, I don't really know, but it's kind of it's kind of interesting and creates yeah. that argument for actually barefoot running. You know, obviously humans you know never never had shoes in the first place we're designed to be able to to run barefoot so that you know there's probably some logic there so it's something worth having to think about yeah I I think that you know obviously the way running shoe companies work is supply and demand and obviously that book created a demand for barefoot shoes at that point and then everyone just kind of forgot about it so that (laughs) and then they started like you know coming up with plated shoes carbon plates things like that and then everyone's interest went in that area didn't they so I mean just to kind of summarize the drop thing I mean I think what what do you run in now in terms of the drop in your shoes yeah so I've uh, been wearing Salcone shoes um endorphin speed three there's a couple of different versions but uh, they're an eight millimeter drop uh, on those what about yeah. you? Well, the New Balance easy run shoes, long run shoes that I like at the moment, they're, they're an 8mm drop. And I think that seems to be pretty standard, standard at the moment. Yeah. Um, and it's I think it's probably, like I say, just kind of gone out of people's minds a little bit, hasn't it? That, you know, whether, it, whether it's sort of relevant or not. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, shall we move on to the, the carbon plated shoes then and, and the racing shoes and that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so like you said, things going f- in fads and crazes. This is definitely the current craze, or well, it's been going for a few years mm-hmm. now. I remember probably um, two or three years ago, if you lined up on the start of a, a race and you look down at people's feet, kind of loads of people would have exactly the same pair of shoes mm. on, which were the Nike uh, Alpha, Fly. Alpha Fly first mm-hmm. version, weren't they? Yeah. With the kind of distinctive colour. Um, the big chunky 
sort of heel and a rocker so almost like people was leaning forward standing up on them but there's a lot more of those kind of carbon shoes have come onto the market since then so carbon plated shoes so these are shoes that have a carbon plate that runs through the bottom of them or some versions have uh, kind rods, of rods they, yeah. yeah that are sort of mimic where the sort of toe bones go and along the length of your foot so you'll have a few plate uh, a few rods that run through the shoe often referred to as super shoes so if you hear mm. anyone saying super shoes they're talking about these carbon plated shoes um and they're designed i think to kind of give you increased energy feedback and propulsion aren't they so you as you take each step you're going to kind of um uh, move further faster and for less energy use from you so the idea is particularly over longer distances you'll be able to improve your times and I think there's some evidence and research has shown that increases in uh, times particularly marathon distances has gone hand in hand with sort of uh, the production and enhancement of these types of shoes. Yeah so they're generally shoes that you would only wear for a race aren't they so the idea is that you do all your training in the normal way, in your normal shoes, your easy shoes or whatever, and you build up, your, obviously, your strength, your stamina, you know, your endurance, just kind of, you know, in, in your normal shoes. And then you put these on on race day and then that gives you an extra bit. Um, so have you ever used them in training or anything like that? Uh, only once or twice and only for the purpose of, like, making sure that I didn't do the sort of thing that Mm. I've done and others will have done is that you were trying them on for the first down race day and then you realise like, oh, they don't quite fit or they're not that comfortable. They take a bit of getting used to. So so I've worn them for like the odd interval session or something like that in advance of a race. I think the other thing to mention with carbon plated shoes, or some have a fibre plate, so I think gives some similar benefits to carbon, but not quite as much, but often a bit cheaper. But all of those plated shoes have like a, a kind of life to the plate, don't they? Yeah. You know, you can read around it different uh, kind of quotes, but anything around kind of two or 300 miles, is it seems to be a... By the time you've done that distance in those shoes, the benefits and the um, of the the feedback you get from the plate reduces, so it becomes more like a normal like cushioned road shoe. Um, so therefore, like saving them for races makes sense, like because yeah. you're going to kind of get more use over them a long time. Yeah. And you've had a pair for years, and you've probably yeah. only done like 100 miles in them or something. Yeah. So I had a, I've got a pair of Alpha Flies, the first version that you bought me actually. Someone for... very kindly bought for a, <laughs> a for birthday. A, it was a Christmas present. Oh uh, well, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> Um, and you bought them when I think they were like two hundred and sixty pounds yeah. or something. Can't believe um, it. Yeah, and then they reduced them down, yeah. didn't they? Quite soon after yeah. that. But anyway, um, so I've had them. It must be what three or four years. Must be at yeah. least. Yeah. And I think I was trying to remember what I've done in them, and I think that I've run, I've run at least three marathons in them. And I think I've probably done a few half marathons in them and maybe some 10K. So Maybe 150 miles. Yeah, maybe. Max. And I'm saving them now. Still still got them, you know, they're old, but they're, they're over there just in when the cupboard. When will they they'll come them out the, for, take them out of hibernation? Oh, they'll come out for, oh, they might come out for Retford half. Okay. And, they might, and then they will definitely come It'll out for London Marathon. It'll be like a tortoise. We'll just hear yeah. them moving around in the box and we'll know yeah. that it's like time for them to sort of yeah. wake up after the winter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'll use them for that. But I've also had a pair of vapor flies. Yeah. 
And I think initially, well, the, the alpha flies are more expensive than vapor flies all the time, full stop. But some people like vapor flies better. The pair of vapor flies that I got, I got quite cheaply. So I think they were only just over a hundred pounds, which is kind of unheard of. So I invested in those, and I have never used them for a race. I don't think, and. I did use them in training, but I don't think that I should have done really. I think that they've not got a lot of support, so it's not really advisable. And I did get injured last year, so, you know, it could be the reason why. So, um, yeah, I don't think that for training they shouldn't sort of be overused, should they? No. Um, So I think probably the final thing to say, and you touched upon it there, is three years ago, something like that, when these shoes were quite new, it was just Nike shoes and they were expensive, Mm -hmm. you know, 250 quid, which like is a lot of money, you know, Mm -hmm. matter how much you enjoy running, it's a lot of money to kind of get a... Uh, a small percentage increase in performance but that's like changed a lot hasn't there so mm-hmm. there's a lot there's a wide range of brands now where that you can get a carbon plated shoe um you know adidas or coney hocker um a whole range of different brands that will do one uh, new balance i think mm-hmm. all the major brands asics um decathlon you can get them in decathlon um, and then we were looking this week weren't we at some um the brand was scott carbon carbon running shoes that were like I think they're about fifty pounds in the yeah. sale. So, so you know, do if if you do want to try a carbon plated or a fiber plated shoes and see if they can, you think they have a difference to your running. The evidence suggests they can. Like shop around. Mm. Like you know, you don't need to spend two hundred and sixty pounds. There are yeah. plenty out there. It might be worth trying them if you can in a shop or something. Yeah, because see if for you. I know you know some people. I, the, I don't like the night ones, whereas I do. I they the night ones are fine for my feet, and I've never had any problems with them. But I know some people have. You know they've rubbed their feet and things like that, and they've been you know got blisters and they can't then run in them. So, so it's helpful to know that before yeah, you spend. Yeah, because it's your a lot of money. Hundred, two hundred pounds. Yeah. Okay. I know in the past you've worn like racing flats. Mm. What do you do? You need those anymore with the advent of these super shoes? No, I mean they. I have got a pair, and I did wear them for a half marathon a few years ago, and they were fine. But I don't. Yeah, I don't. I've not heard of people using them. No, uh, I don't know. Whether, maybe you know if you're running on a track and you you know a 400 meter runner maybe maybe people do but i wonder whether the plate the carbon plate issues have sort of taken their place now so even yeah interestingly even watching athletics track athletics you see runners in adaptations of the carbon shoes so the carbon shoes that you and i might buy in a shop tweaked with spikes added designed for track use i think you're probably right they've kind of overtaken what the traditional racing flats that Mm. were designed for speed okay so shall we talk a little bit about non-road running shoes so sort of trail fell shoes and and those sorts of things so so we've described obviously lots of options for road racing cushion support shoes super shoes what about off-road you know what you know what do you think in terms of like trail shoes so you've you've done a lot of trail races what do you how do you go about selecting a pair of trail shoes yeah, I think that's been more difficult than road racing, road shoes in general for me because I've ha- I've made a lot of errors with trail shoes. So I had a pair of Solomon shoes which are really highly rated for trail running and they are quite like they're comfy and they've got a good grip, but they were way too narrow for me. Someone did tell me that they do do wider widths, but I, they're probably a bit 
Who are these people with tiny, narrow feet wearing these know. shoes? I don't know, but I, yeah, I've had to, I've had to get rid of them, um, unfortunately, and they weren't that cheap. So, but ones that I'm using at the moment are Innovate ones, and that I mean they're not they're not cheap either, are they? Like you know, I think they're over a hundred pounds for these shoes. And what I find in general with trail shoes is they're quite like there's not a lot on the inside of them. I don't know whether it's because they're trying to reduce the weight. The weight because the in bottoms general, usually because, got more weight yeah. because of the grip and the the lugs. Yeah, I wonder whether like that's the reason why there isn't much on the inside. So when I've noticed that in most of them, when you're running, your foot feels a bit like it's kind of you know you can just feel a lot of hard bits and bobs inside the shoe that. In a in a road running shoe, you would it'd be like nice and soft, yeah. and there'd be like a a soft like lower and upper. Um, I guess that another reason might be that you want to try and kind of feel a bit more if you're running over fells or yeah. rocks and things. It might that might be part of the reason that you know people want to just kind of be able to feel with their feet a little bit more than than in road running shoes that are quite cushioned and bouncy. So, um, yeah, so that the Innovate ones I've found have, have been good for my feet. So I've had quite a few different ones of those. What about you? Yeah, so I've tried a few different ones and I found... I wore some Innovate ones for a while. Uh, again, at my primary focus is like finding ones that have got a wide toe box because <laughs> um, I've got wide toes or wide feet. Uh, and then I uh, recently I got some Ultra Ultra shoes. I've not heard of the brand, but they're like they're, they seem really good and dead comfy. Most of the trail running I do tends to be on lighter trails um, rather than kind of fell running where you would be like wading through much sort of deeper terrain or mud and, and, and stuff like that or really rocky where you're trying to run at pace over rocky terrain. Um, so the, it tends to be lighter paths and, and things like that and some kind of wet, you know, wet areas. But it, So I've, I've trended to find trail shoes that don't particularly have massive like studs or depth on the bottom so it might be you know obviously a bit more a few more millimeters of of rubber than you would normally get on a road shoe but not huge depth i think as you get into the the really into fell shoes they they look kind of more like studs or something mm. like that don't they yeah. or cross country you've talked about before you've worn sort of spikes for those so trail running i try and find things that are comfortable um i did go through a phase of being obsessed with trying to find waterproof shoes <laughs> and so some shoes are branded as waterproof but what i've kind of realized and i suppose you, you'll probably say why on earth didn't you realise this? Is as soon as you put your foot into like a puddle, or a bog. It, yes, if if that comes over the top of the shoe, you're not wearing a Wellington boot. So it, mm. the waterproofness that you've uh, paid for and that you thought you were getting kind of goes out the window, and you still then got another few hours to run with a wet foot. So I've gone away from that being yeah. a bit obsessed with that. I kind of got focused on how can you run for hours with wet feet, but I found like you just get on with it and do yeah, it anyway. Yeah, you don't feel it when you're running, do you, usually? No. And what the other thing I was going to say about trail shoes is I've noticed in recent years some of the bigger brands have like cottoned on to the, oh, hang on, this is a market we've not tapped. Mm. So you, if you were talking about kind of Adidas and Nike like five, ten years ago, it's either like fashion trainers, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Or like athletes on, yeah. on the track of road races yeah. now there's like loads of they produce loads of trail shoes and other yeah. big companies the same i think now there's even some carbon 
plated mm, trail shoes yeah, as well. That's... So these, it's, it's kind of interesting. And so, you know, you wonder how will the some of the smaller specialist shoe brands that have always focused on mm. off-road running be able to keep their niche, you know, and as as kind of market leaders, really. So that'll be kind of interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, because there's a brand Walsh, isn't there, that, you yeah. know, that's quite a niche brand, but I wonder whether because they are you know quite iconic as fell shoes yeah. that they'll keep that for that reason but yeah, yeah we'll, it'd be we'll interesting see. yeah yeah you mentioned spikes there i mean that i think they're just like literally for track and cross country aren't they but different for ones for, for each and yeah i mean i've worn spikes for cross country i've also worn trail shoes so i don't think they're really for my level of running spikes aren't don't really come into it but if you do want to to buy some for cross country they're they're like pretty cheap anyway in decathlon sells some and i think new balance have got a pair that aren't that expensive anyway so yeah. that you could get as yeah. well so yeah i've not got masses to say about spikes they are they haven't got any cushioning spikes just a flat bottom yeah. and you screw the yeah. spikes in so and away you go maybe for the same reason that you can your feet can feel yeah where you're the running in the terrain and stuff and it's not that obviously you don't use them for very long so that you don't need you know it's not 26.2 miles is it no so yeah okay and then i guess the final thing just to think about is like you know the evidence says well you should rotate shoes and not wear the same pair like there's not always practical is it not yeah. not everyone's got like hundreds of pounds to spend on an array of different shoes mm-hmm. and keep rotating them so you you don't wear a pair out and all that sort of stuff so what do you think about that kind of rotation yeah like you say you do it? it's sort of that is ideal you know if you've got a few different pairs to do that but the practicalities of it are that usually you wear a pair of shoes out and then you have to throw them away and then you get a new pair, don't you? So, yeah, yeah, unless you've got loads of money to to do that, it it can be quite difficult. And I don't think it's really made any difference to me, not because I tend to use the same shoes. I have got a couple of pairs that I do wear. So the Vaporflies that I mentioned that I've never actually raced in that I got quite cheaply, I do wear, wear them for doing going to the track i wear them at the track and stuff um they've probably you know lost all their carbon you know whatever in them because i've had them ages and i've run loads of miles in them but um so i guess i do rotate them in that respect so i just wear two pairs generally what we've not said is there are other shoes that are kind of branded for different things but i do think they generally fit into the two those two categories of of road shoes that we've talked about so there are ones called i had a pair called like nike tempo and they're supposed to be designed for doing intervals and things like that quicker stuff yeah but they haven't got carbon plates so there are there are shoes if you if you did want to diversify and get different shoes and have a rotation of shoes you could you can buy that. something like that for your, your faster work and then have like your your long run shoes you know yeah. and that sort of thing so there are okay. there are slightly different branded ones but i think they they generally fit into those categories that we've talked about those kind of longer run shoes that haven't that are cushioned or support or whatever yeah or they're like carbon plated ones which are kind of for racing yeah uh, and then a final couple of things I was going to mention was shoes cost money, but I guess out of all the things you might spend money on for running, it's probably like 
the number one, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, you can find any old pair of shorts and T-shirt. You know, you don't need an expensive watch. You don't need all the other stuff. And I think in the, the next episode on equipment, we'll talk about some of the other ways you can kind of, other some of the other running equipment. But shoes probably is worth thinking about if you've got some money to invest in running as a hobby getting a good pair of shoes is worth it you can get second-hand shoes like often like if you're in running clubs or on go on facebook and stuff people sell them don't they they'll Mm -hmm. buy a pair of shoes they wear them once or twice they're not quite right they can't return them this and that you can get get them that way and also you can recycle old shoes so i did this recently through sports shoes website i've partnered with this organization called jog on and jog on say that 33 million pairs of running shoes end up in landfill every year which is like crazy mm. when you think about wow. it so even when your shoes are battered you know you've done you won't give them to anyone else you, you know completely finished full of holes worn worn out you can uh, for a couple of quid postage you can uh, recycle them through jog on and they won't chuck them in landfill and what do they do with them do they use them to make new shoes so if they're completely finished, they'll recycle the materials of the shoe as best they can, you know, yeah. in any way you would do with recycling, depending on what the materials are. If they're not completely battered and finished, they will um, they will be recycled and sent to people who can use them yeah. and wear them. So Brilliant. someone else will get life out of that shoe, even Great. if you're done with it. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So I think that's probably everything we wanted to discuss today around shoes. Yeah, if anyone's got any recommendations for for good shoes especially for wide feet for yes please for us or uh, you know we've not really uh, covered it for people with narrow feet have we but yeah so any recommendations it'd be great we'd like to hear them get in touch running partners at outlook.com uh, you can always connect with us there or strava facebook instagram uh, all the links are in the show notes and it's always good to hear from people so yeah, that's it for that's today it. yeah all right all right we'll see bye you soon. for now bye. see you soon bye Thanks for listening to Running Partners. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please leave us a rating or review, tell your friends and help us build the Running Partners community. You can email us at runningpartners@outlook.com with any comments, questions, feedback or topics you want us to discuss on future episodes. You can find us on Instagram at 26.2 and Gris Running and we're also on Strava and all the links are in the show notes. See you soon for the next episode of Running Partners.